Lord, we're here because of you. We thank you, Jesus. We proclaim that there is no other name like the name of Jesus. You showed us what it means to love. You laid down your life for others. Even those who didn't love you. That's true love. Pure, true love. Lord, this morning as we get into your word, as we talk about issues that are so important and I know close to your heart and yet can be uncomfortable for us, awkward, Lord, give us strength to hear. Give us courage to speak. Lord, we pray that you would just uh, continue continue to move in us. And, and Lord, let your church not be silent, but um, Lord, let us delight in your word and delight in your creation. We thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. Welcome to Mission Valley, if this is your first time or uh, you're your guest. My name is Phil Saknashi. I'm the associate pastor here. And, uh, you know, it's just a joy for me anytime that, that I can participate in the worship service and, and serve God this way. And, and it's such a unique perspective because I get to see all your faces. Some of you are happy. Some of you are not so happy, maybe. Uh, questionable. Adele's happy. All right, Adele. I'll give you a hand for that. Newly, newlywed, right? So, so there you go. This morning, we're going to be talking, uh, you know, we, we've been in a series on marriage, and actually today is going to be the last Sunday. Um, I think this has been such a great topic that, uh, you know, it's our hope that in the near future we'll be, uh, you know, maybe having more seminars or classes, Bible studies about this. Uh, but for this series, this is going to be the last sermon about marriage. And yeah, this is the one that some of you have been waiting for. Uh, it's, uh, we're going to be talking about the importance and purpose of sex and marriage. But, you know, since this is the final one, I, I thought that, you know, I'll kind of talk about sex and marriage a little bit in general, and then we'll get into, you know, the depth of today's topic. Um, so, you know, for me, I'm someone that has grown up in the church. Uh, my family attended regularly. And, you know, some of the things that I learned early on in my pre-adolescent and adolescent years was that, well, the Bible said sex is supposed to happen within marriage only, and that, you know, sex was for married people, marriage often equals procreation, kids, and that creates families, and that's what I want to have one day is a family. And so one of my first thoughts about marriage, you know, a lot of my thinking about marriage when I was young was just, okay, marriage and family. It just goes hand in hand. But, you know, as I stumbled through puberty, I quickly became aware that there's a different message that's been spoken, you know, from our culture. And that message is that sex doesn't have to stay within marriage. Maybe just between people who like each other. Or in a worse situation, where one person is just being used for the other's pleasure. Sex is a huge issue in our culture. In many of your lifetimes, you have watched culture change. 
very literally. You have witnessed how things that were once shocking now become PG or PG-13 material. In other words, things that were once risque or inappropriate regarding sex are now common. They're accepted. TV, radio, internet, social media, full of messages. These messages perpetuate the justification, commercialization, and acceptance of sex outside of marriage as an individual choice. It's a personal right, an acceptable outlet not only for pleasure, but self-expression. Sex has even become an identity. Like Pastor Dave shared with you a couple weeks ago, that when we read the Bible, we see that marriage was designed to be a union between a man and a woman. Man with man, woman with woman, each with both. Any of those variations, they're, uh, you know, ultimately, they're not acceptable in the eyes of God. And I know that's not a happy message today, right? It's not a politically correct message. It's not what's going around. But that's the word of God. And at this church, we stand firm upon those convictions. You know, trust me, it's a lot easier to just, um, you know, talk about something else, right? Let's not talk about this stuff. You know, in a famous quote, it says that, If I profess with the loudest voice and the clearest exposition every portion of the truth of God except precisely that little point which the world and the devil are at that moment attacking, I'm not confessing Christ, however boldly I may be professing Christianity. Where the battle rages, the loyalty of the soldier is proved, and to be steady on all the battlefield besides is mere flight and disgrace to him if he flinches at that one point. In other words, no matter how loudly, consistently, I talk about Christianity, I talk about God's truth, if I'm unwilling to deal with controversial issues concerning God's word, if I'm unwilling to stand up for my beliefs as a Christ follower, I'm not making a stand against the enemy. You know, in fact, it's like if a soldier, if the army has a whole battlefront controlled, except the one area that the enemy is attacking the fiercest. It's crazy, right? And that's what that person is saying. Today I'll be speaking to you, fellow brothers and sisters in the faith, about marriage as God intended it. I'm not going to go into defense, uh, you know, for heterosexual marriage or, you know, all these different things. That's a whole other topic, maybe for another, uh, you know, day or another forum, more of a, a seminar maybe. So today we're talking about marriage and sex within marriage. You know, as a pastor, one of my greatest joys and honors is to officiate weddings. Most recently, um, Idel and uh, Kiki Pinano. And what I often tell couples in the, in the marriage ceremony is that marriage is an honorable estate. Marriage is not a man-made idea, but was instituted by God in the time of creation as he saw it fit to give Eve to Adam. It is safeguarded by the laws of Moses, affirmed by the words of the prophets, and hallowed by the teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ. Marriage is a union, close and enduring, a relationship in which a man and a woman forsake all others to become one flesh. This abiding union illustrates the holy relationship between Christ and his church. Marriage is therefore not to be entered lightly, but reverently, 
soberly and in the fear of God. Therefore, we honor marriage. Hebrews 13, 4 through 5 says, Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled. For God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. It's interesting to me that the author of Hebrews puts the marriage bed, in other words, sex, and the love of money next to each other. And although this letter was written way, way before our time, even today marriage counselors will agree that issues around sex and money are among the top reasons for conflict within marriage or even divorce. Today we'll be focusing again on the topic of sex. However, if you're married, you know, money and your finances, that's an area that I strongly suggest that you investigate if that seems to be a, a cause of uh, conflict within your marriage. Back to Hebrews, it says, Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Let the marriage bed or sexual relations within a marriage remain undefiled, pure, holy, pleasing to God. In other words, don't let there be sexual sin in your marriage. And what is sin? Sin is that which goes against or displeases God. It could be an action. It could even be an attitude. Regarding both issues of sexual sin and the love of money, the writer in Hebrews says that we should be content with what we have and that contentment comes from the understanding that God is with us. He will not leave us. He will not forsake us. He's right here, ready to supply us with what we need. And when we follow him, we find that our needs are met. But what if you're single? Maybe you've never been married. Maybe your spouse has passed on. Whatever the reason is, what if you're single? What if you read this and you say, you know what? I'm happy. I'm content. Do I need to satisfy sexual desires by getting married? No, you don't. In fact, the Apostle Paul, who's one of the most influential Christians of all time, was single. He even said in 1 Corinthians 7, 7, I wish that all were as I myself am. Talking about being single, unmarried. But each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. So he's saying, I wish everyone was single. But, you know, I understand. Some of you guys got to get married. Right? That's how he felt. Along with Paul, another notable single person was Jesus. I think we've all heard of him, right? Sinless, son of God, single. Yet there's others like Peter and, and, and many of the other disciples. They were married. And we know that Peter took his wife with him as he did ministry. You can uh, look up 1 Corinthians 9.5 for that. So Hebrews says, keep sex pure in marriage and don't love money. Be content. How can we be content? Through God alone. He will give you what you need. Our single friend Paul wrote those famous words in Philippians 4.13 where he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Do you realize that when he wrote those words saying he could be content in whatever state he was in, 
That's the context. He said, you know what? No matter what I'm dealing with, I can be content. Okay? If he had plenty or if he was hungry, if he had abundance or he had lack, he could be content in all situations because of Christ who strengthened him. That's not what we see today, right? And I'm not hating on any of these people. You can go to the next slide. You know, we're familiar with Steph Curry, Tim Tebow. You know how the guys, they write like Phil 413. You know, it's kind of, maybe you can see it. But, you know, on his shoes, he has 413 in there, right? And on the inside, it says, I can do all things. And, you know, that's awesome. But that's not the context of that verse, you know. He's not saying that, hey, you can win the NBA Finals, you can win the Super Bowl, or you can fly if you jump off a building. No, that's not the context, right? He's saying that in any situation I'm in, I can find contentment. Why? Because I can do all things through Christ, who strengthens me. Paul believed that for those that God chose to be single, or those who chose to be single themselves, that God would provide them an extra measure of grace, And that would help them to maintain their sexual purity. But for those who he chose to be married, we're to find sexual gratification within marriage. That's God's design. So now let's talk about the importance and the purpose of sex within marriage. You know, these things that we're going to list out today, they're not in order of importance, but they're all important. Um, And when I first began this message, I mentioned that my first thoughts of marriage revolved around the idea of making babies, creating families. Uh, You know, I'm the firstborn child. I have two brothers and one sister. And so, you know, my childhood was full of watching babies grow up into annoyances and then later on kind of friends. And, uh, you know, now they're all spread out all across the world. Um, But that's the first purpose. The first purpose of sex within marriage is procreation or creation, right? In Genesis 1.28, God said to them, Adam and Eve, he said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. The number one purpose of sex within marriage is creation. Um, You know, again, if you missed some of the other messages, Marco spoke last week, Pastor Dave spoke uh, weeks before, you know, this is some of what we talk about. This is just what we see from um, study of, of humans and what we know. You guys are all here because um, your mom and dad figured it out, and, and there you go, right? Um, so creation, right? I think that's the obvious one. Um, you know, I'm going to say number two. The second point that we'll talk about is unity and intimacy. Genesis 2.24 says, For this reason... A man will leave his father and mother to be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. You know, what do we say about, uh, about sex when people first get married, or people when they first get married? We say that they consummate their marriage, right? They make their marriage complete, that union complete, by having sex. Why? Because the joining of two as one through sex is not just physical, but spiritual, it's psychological. This is the reason why sex outside of marriage is so harmful. Because you're joining yourself to that other person. You know, and in some ways, you're never going to be the same. But we know that there's grace. God, he is, is 
good and, and he can remove any shame, any hurt, any baggage that we carry from past sexual relations. Uh, but even so, sometimes we can still bear those consequences, right? Like literally, if you had a child, then you know, you're going to have that child. It's not going to disappear because you've been forgiven. I'll give you an example. Um, I think it's applicable in, in some way, maybe to help you to f- understand. You know, for seven years of my teenage and young adult life, uh, you know, I struggled with addiction to cigarettes. You know, at the worst, it was like a pack, pack and a half a day. And, you know, I remember making choices at my workplace. Um, I worked on cars, and some of the other guys in the shop, they smoked as well. And so I knew that I could always bum one off them if I needed to. But, you know, I just remember every morning not having a lot of money and literally stopping at the gas station and and wrestling, like, okay, am I going to buy lunch today or am I going to buy a pack? And whichever one I did, I had to get the other from my coworkers. And you're like, man, this guy's always asking for food or, you know. But even today, you know, it's been like 13, 14 years since I've had a, a smoke. But even today, there's times when I just, you know, get that craving. You're just like, man, that would really calm me down right now. You know, or you, you see someone, you smell it, you just, oh, man, that would that'd be nice right now. And they're like, no, no, I don't, you know, I don't need that. Right? And though, even though I, I haven't succumbed to that, I haven't given in to that, you know, it's still there. There's still that residual kind of consequence, right? So those thoughts, these things, you know, they can linger on. And, and, and we know that with sexual relations, you can be haunted by, by things like that in, in the sense that you can uh, have memories, you can begin to daydream. You've got to cut those things. You've got to kill them. Just, you know, I'm not going to entertain those thoughts, past relationships, whatever. Two become one. Sex joins man and wife together as one. When I do marital, premarital, you know, any of that type of counseling, one of the number one things that I tend to stress to couples is that you become one. God has joined you together. He's brought you together. And believe me, if he's brought you together, you know, I, 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 I believe that. He has a plan for you as a couple. You know, and those plans for your marriage, they're full of purpose. Right? He has a purpose, he, and he's given you power within that marriage. There's something that's just, it's amazing about a married couple that are working together. Last week, Mako gave us examples about how he and Amy, they, they have the same vision. They have the same purpose in their marriage. And, and when one gets off track, then the other is there to kind of tap them, hey, come on, you know, what are we about? We're about glorifying God, you know? And there's something amazing about a couple that is joined together and working together for God's glory. There really is. You know, even just thinking about it, you know, some of the greatest people that we know, um, their spouses were silently there behind them, supporting them, encouraging them, um, helping them get through, uh, you know, the, the responsibility and, and just the things that God had called them to, right? Two become one. In other words, you're on the same team, Okay. Think about this. I was playing basketball. I got to keep moving because otherwise I'm going to tense up and uh, my, my back's a little tight. And, you know, when you're playing basketball, um, you know, sometimes I play with these young guys and some of them, they just want to make fun of me, right? They want to jab me, poke at me. Even if we're on the same team, we're like driven. They're like, you suck. You can't make it. I'm like, dude, we're on the same team. Come on. What's wrong with you, right? I'm not going to call out any names. Um, 
Right? But, I mean, you're on the same team. It's like, can you imagine, like, if you're going to go up and you're like, oh, I got a shot. You go up for a layup and your teammate's like, boom, got you. Right? It's like, come on. That's just like, you know, that's like in a marriage when a spouse is tearing you down. Or maybe football. Can you imagine if the center on the football team, they refuse to hike the ball to the quarterback? He's like, hike, hike. He's like, nope, it's my ball. Right? I mean, it's like you're going nowhere. You're not going to gain any distance. You're not going to go towards your goal, right? You're actually stuck. Uh, You can't accomplish God's goals for you as a couple. And really what happens is you just lose in life. You just lose. So next time you're in a fight, you know, take a moment and think, okay, if we're on the same team, does this help us achieve our goal? Don't get me wrong. There's some things that you need to stand your ground that God puts convictions on you or your spouse is out of line and you just need to hold your ground. But in other areas, I think that, you know, most couples can attest that, yeah, there's a lot of things that we argue about that you're like, why are we arguing about this? Sometimes I'm like outside of my my body, I'm like thinking about it like, why are you arguing about this? But it's like, man, it feels good. I just want to win. Like, come on, you know. Um, Oh, you messed up with that statement right there. I'm going to pull that apart, right? It's just like, you got to stop and think, you know, what is the point? What are we accomplishing here? Is this helping us to achieve our goals, or is this just distraction? Is this all just nothing, right? So I said that point, the second point was unity and intimacy. Well, the second part is intimacy. You know, I know some of you guys, maybe, you, you know, you don't fully understand what that word means. I wasn't totally sure either, so I looked it up for you, Okay. But among the definitions that I can find, you know, dictionary.com, it gives you a bunch. You know, it says, uh, you know, intimacy or being intimate. One of them is sex, okay? The other thing is that, that stood out to me is, is that it said a close, familial, uh, familiar, and affectionate or loving personal relationship. So affectionate, close, and loving, right? Those are words that stand out to me. Sex and marriage is not only a source of intimacy, but it's often dependent on intimacy, right? And intimacy is defined as affectionate, close, and loving. My father-in-law has been quoted as saying in, regarding, you know, in regard to sex that men are like microwaves and women are like crockpots. By Caroline's laugh, you know, some of you can relate maybe. Um, physically, we tend to generalize. Again, this is just a generalization right, that men are ready to go with little prompting. But women, they often need to feel there's a strong sense of intimacy with their husband. They feel safe, loved, encouraged, cherished before things get cooking. They take more time, right, crockpot. But even so, I want to say that it's not only a physical thing, right? It's not just a physical thing for guys, right? Sex is for intimacy, remember? How many of you microwave men can testify that, you know, if you're having sex with your wife and she's not really into it and she's just like, eh, just do your thing. You know, I got stuff to do. Got to get back on Pinterest or, you know, whatever. It's not really a builder of intimacy, right? I mean, it, it's just, it's, it's, eh, you know. But when you're both filled with passion, when you're both just, man, I just love you so much, Right? and your intention, your desire is to please your spouse, then sex is great. It really brings you close. 
Even those arguments, those stupid things you were fighting about, you don't even remember. You're like, what were we fighting about? I, I don't know, right? It just, it just covers unity and intimacy. The third purpose of sex and marriage is enjoyment and pleasure. This is one of the things that God designed, right? Read Song of Solomon, also called Song of Songs. Um, you know, that whole book, it's all enjoyment and pleasure. You know, I think this is an obvious statement about sex. In its original intention, sex was made to be a source of great enjoyment and pleasure for the marriage. Uh, like I noted, the Song of Solomon's, this married couple, if you read this, they're not talking about, hey, let's have babies and start a family, right? They're talking about just enjoying each other. Kids, you can cover your ears. I'm about to read the Bible. Um, Song of Solomon, 7, 6 through 10, it says, How beautiful and pleasant you are, O loved one, with all your delights. Your stature is like a palm tree, and your breasts are like its clusters. I say, I will climb the palm tree and lay hold of its fruit. Oh, may your breasts be like clusters of the vine, and the scent of your breath like apples, and your mouth like the best wine. And she replies, It goes down smoothly for my beloved, gliding over lips and teeth. I am my beloved's, and his desire is for me. And she continues. It's the Bible. I promise. They're delighting in each other through sex. They're enjoying each other's bodies, and they're finding pleasure being together. Now, this doesn't always come naturally, right? Actually, it doesn't. I mean, for the guy... It kind of does, but sometimes for the woman, crockpot, it can take a little more time before sex becomes a source of enjoyment uh, and pleasure. In Deuteronomy, we find a bunch of laws. And this is interesting. If you go to Deuteronomy 24, uh, verse 5, under miscellaneous laws, okay, it says, If a man has recently married, he must not be sent to war or have any other duty laid on him. For one year, he is to be free to stay at home and bring happiness to the wife he has married. Remember, this is a law, okay? Again, in a different translation, the message translation says, when a man takes a new wife, he is to go out, he is not to go out with the army or be given any business or work duties. He gets one year off simply to be at home making his wife happy. I like how Eugene Peterson says, oh, he has one year simply to be at home making his wife happy. Let me ask you, right? Is there wisdom in the thought that it might take a while for a newly married man to figure out how to make his wife happy? It's not that simple. Um, I mean, 24-7, 365, right? He gets a whole year trying to learn how to make his wife happy. From experience, I can say it takes time. Right? Open dialogue, trial and error, consideration of the other. Figure out you know, how to please your spouse, not just sexually, but emotionally and otherwise. Right? So those of you who are newly married, um, you know, if you're, or if you're just new to the whole sex thing, you know, don't feel bad because it can take time. And for that reason, the Bible gave us that, that space of, hey, take a year. Right? That'd be a good law today. You know, because I think that if we were all given like, hey, you got married, it'll take a year off, man. I'll see you next year. Right? 
Don't do any work. That's it. Just learn how to make Kiki happy. It's simple. It's the word of God, all right? Man, right? It'd be a long year, but at the end of that year, you, you'd have a strong marriage, right? You would know your spouse well, right? And I, and I, you know, I believe, I know that if you did that, then I'm sure that the divorce rate would go down. Families would be stronger. Families might begin, right? Um, but that's just wisdom in my mind. It's like, hey, it takes some time. It's going to take some effort, right? And on that note, um, you know, if you, you're uh, feeling stuck in that area or, you know, you feel challenged, um, you know, there's lots of Christian resources. There's lots of great Christian books that talk about, uh, you know, physiology, talk about just emotional things, you know, technique, everything, right? And they're, they're not weird books. They're not gross books. They're helpful. If you need some uh, recommendations, I can find some for you. Um, I have a couple. Uh, but, you know, I'll just say, and I'll put this in there, it should be obvious, but pornography is never an option. Not only is it inaccurate, it's not accurate in teaching or giving instruction, but it's actually fueled and it supports sex trafficking, prostitution, you know, all kinds of strongholds of the enemy. Um, so that's never an option within marriage. There's no excuse. Oh, we're just trying to learn. Like, no. That brings us to number four. And uh, today this is going to be the final discussion point regarding the purpose of sex and marriage. And that's protection from the enemy. 1 Corinthians 7.5 says, Come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. And we'll look at that whole passage expounded. But protection from the enemy. You know, marriage is an area that Satan is, you know, it's so afraid of. He hates it. He attacks it constantly. Sex is an area that, that Satan, you know, really uses to separate and to split apart a married couple. Um, you know, I hope we learn today that sex is a wonderful thing that God has placed within the marriage for purpose, for many purposes. You know, but Satan, he's attacked this area. He's really um, used it against us. You know, why do you think that this is a, a topic that's kind of awkward? That in a church setting, it's not like one of the top or frequent or common kind of sermon topics, right? Because it's kind of weird. You're like, ah, I don't know. I don't know if I want to go to church again and hear about that. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things. It's one of those areas that we kind of shy away from. Why? Because, you know, Satan has really taken root of this. He's added so much guilt, so much shame, so much just, you know, all these lies surrounding sex. And so it's become this thing that is just, oh, it's a bad thing. It's taboo. It's, you know, but no, it's something. It's one of the greatest gifts that God has given us. Because Satan's attacked sex and done all these things, um, you know, it's hard for some people to see that this is part of, a, uh, and it's actually, you know, a vital part of a healthy marriage. Um, you know, I was, as I was going through this, I, I had this thought, and, and it's that Satan tempts people to engage in sexual activity, but only outside of marriage. Think about that. Satan tempts people to engage in sexual activity, but only outside of marriage. You know, confession. Um, my wife, I think she's okay with this. Uh, we're pretty open people. Uh, but, you know, we had sex before we were married. 
We did. You know, I don't encourage it. Even if you think, oh, this is the one. You know, this is the one. Oh. You know, many people have, have had sex under that idea that, oh, this boyfriend or this girlfriend, they're the one, right? They're the one I'm going to marry. Um, you know, and many people have been sadly mistaken, right? But I can tell you from experience, you know, that before we were married, you know, it was like rabbits, man. It's like all the time. And it was the thought was just, it was continual temptation. It was like Satan was just like, boom, boom, boom. Like all your thoughts are just consumed of being with this other person. And then after marriage, you know, it's like, uh, let me check my schedule. Um, Are the kids asleep or is someone babysitting them? Um, Do I like you right now? Like, have you been annoying? You know, I don't, I don't really want to be around you, right? It, it's crazy, you know? But those thoughts come in, like, do I, want to, do I want to get into this whole thing, you know? Or am I, like, playing Xbox with James? You know, I'm just, it's like, I don't know which one's easier because the guys are there. They're just like, hey, what's up, dude, you know? Just being honest, just being real, all right? It's crazy, but Satan, he attacks us in this area. I mean, can you think about that? He flips his, his, his whole, you know, game plan. It's like before marriage, it's like on you know, your mind, like young people on your mind. It's like sex, 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 right? At least you guys, I know this. But after you get married, it's like all this kind of, you know, attacks, just busyness, tiredness, all kinds of things, right? I heard someone say that, you know, the space in your bed at nighttime, the space between you and your spouse, that's the place that Satan likes to sleep. In other words, that's his goal is to separate you, you know, is to create space between you in the marriage bed. It's a creepy thought, I know. Makes you want to get like a twin bed or something, right? I got to. Anyways. Is really a goal for him to drive you apart. Yes, regular and consistent sex is a part of healthy marriage. You know, if you're married and you haven't had sex in a long time, you probably need to be discussing why. What's a long time? Well, think about the last time you were tempted sexually. Lustful thoughts, sexual desire, even tempted to emotionally bond or give yourself to another person, to find satisfaction from someone else, right? If that's happened recently, it's probably too long. Sex should be a regular part of your marriage, regardless of your age. Right? Yes, even senior citizens can have sex. I know you guys didn't want to hear that, young people, but <laughs> it's true. Ask somebody if you dare, maybe a grandparent or something like that first. You know? Don't be that weird kid asking everyone, okay? But, but, you know, it's not bound by age, right? It's cons- it should be consistent and it should be, you know, a core part of your marriage. It's vital to building and maintaining a healthy marriage. You know, especially today, you know, especially today with technology, increased access to pornography, prostitution, you know, there's a whole lot of people in the world that don't hold biblical values. You know, and the enemy, he loves to tempt people to sin sexually. Right? Let's read that First um, Corinthians 7 passage. Again, here, this is our our single friend, Paul, and he's saying, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. In other words, it's good to just be single. Don't have sex with anybody. But since sexual immorality is occurring, 
Each man should have sexual relations with his own wife, and each woman, woman with her own husband. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife, and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband. In the same way, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. Do not deprive each other, except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again, so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I say this as a concession, not as a command. I wish that all of you were as I am, but each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. It is our marital duty to give ourselves to our spouse. Yes, it's common that one spouse will want to have sex more than the other. Or at different times, right? And that has nothing, that actually has nothing to do with being a man or a woman. Please hear me, okay? Each person is different. Even the whole microwave and crock pot thing, you know, that's a generalization, right? It's a judgment that, that you know, kind of, that we go by. But, you know, if you're a microwave woman or a crock pot man, you know, hey, you know, that's all good. That's how God made you. Um, and even seasonally, right, different seasons of your life, you're, your sex drive may increase or decrease, um, and that's okay. But the point is, know yourself, and then in these areas, you know, within marriage, you need to serve your spouse, right? So that means that, yeah, sometimes you may not feel like it, um, but you do that. And you don't do it like, oh, fine, I'll do it, you know? But it's like, no, how can I serve my spouse, right? How can I serve them? Healthy sex in marriage is an act where husband and wife are serving each other in love, one person is not dominating the other. You know, do not be manipulative and give sex as a reward. Don't do it. Like, hey, if you finish this project in the backyard or you take me shopping or, you know, whatever else, and hey, maybe I'll give you something. Like, no. And don't withhold sex because you're mad. You know, or like, fine. You're not, you know, you're going to punish them. Like, no. It's not based upon, you know, those things, right? It's supposed to be given why? Because we love our spouse. We want to care for them, right? And please do not quote the Bible or take any of these verses that I said and use them to demand sex or force sex from your spouse. You know, many people need prayer and, and counseling uh, before they can have a sex, uh, healthy sex life in marriage. You know, that could be sexual trauma early in life, previous relationships, even just such a strong sense that was put upon them of sex is bad, sex is dirty, you know, stay away, you know? As a parent, you know, I can understand how maybe some parents are just like, stay away, stay away, bad, 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 bad. But then the kids grow up, and, you, and all that's in your head is bad, 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 right? So some of us, it takes time. It takes prayer. It takes counseling. It takes healing from God before we can actually come to a place within our marriage that's healthy and, you know, as God intended it. And, you know, I'll say that if that's you or if that's something within uh, your marriage, then do something about it. I'm serious. You know, come talk to, you know, one of the pastors here or uh, go to Christian Counseling Center. You know, do something about that. Because like we spent this whole morning talking about, sex is an important, is a very important part of marriage, right? So it's my prayer that, you know, God will bless you all. Um, in singleness or in marriage. Um, I hope you have a better understanding of sex as God intended it. 
And uh, now the part that many of you have been waiting for, I know my small group has been bugging me all the time, is uh, the weekly challenge. So I have one for, for, all, for single and one for married. Okay, so uh, read Philippians 4, 11 through 13. Everyone, right? This is a, I can do all things. Read that. Think about that, what the context is. Philippians 4, 11 through 13. Um, think about your life. Think about maybe areas in your life that you're not content, right? And, um, you know, make, uh, make plans to, on, like, you know, how can I be better about this? Uh, Proverbs 21, 5 says, The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. So whatever areas you see that you're not content in, you know, set something up where you can read more about that in the Bible or, you know, again, come ask somebody if, if you need topics that help with contentment. Uh, for married couples, read 1 Corinthians 7, 5. Or read all of 1 Corinthians 7 if you want. You know, consider the condition of your marriage. Are you both content with sex? Be honest. What areas of your marriage need work? Ask if you are each growing spiritually and how, right? If you've got kids, you understand this. You can't just ask, like, hey, how's it going? Good. Right? You've got to be specific, like, hey, what was your favorite part of the day? Or, you know, whatever it is, right? Are you growing spiritually and how? And lastly, enjoy sex with your spouse. Really, that's homework. You have permission. It's biblical. Have sex with your spouse, okay? Single people, read 1 Corinthians 7.25 through 35. Consider how sex and marriage influence your life. Do you have a desire to have sex or be married? Are you relying on God to give you grace for sexual purity? Do you think God has maybe called you to be single, focused only on him like Paul? If not, you know, how are you taking advantage? You know, maybe you think it's just for a season. Well, if that's your season right now, how are you taking advantage of that, right? 